0: morning everyone. I'm Caleb Giddings from GunNuts Media and you're listening to Firearms Industry News podcast. My guest this week is Annette Evans and we'll be talking about a lot of really interesting subjects. I've known Annette for several years now. I actually don't recall when we first met. We may get into that on the show but if you'd like to listen to past episodes you can download them on iTunes by searching for Firearms Industry News. Oh my god, That was the worst read-in ever. I just said Firearms Industry News. I'm gonna leave that one in. Anyway, you can search for us on iTunes, Firearms Industry News. Uh, Alexa will also search for us now. And of course, YouTube. And you can follow me on Facebook at facebook.com, Caleb Shooting. Once again, I'm happy to welcome my friend, Annette Evans. Annette, how are you?
1: I'm doing well on this Monday morning that we're doing this right now. How about you? I'm doing
0: pretty good. So, and for people who are downloading this in the future, this won't air for a couple of days. This actually won't air for a, a week because I have a tourist CEO's interview is airing on Wednesday. So, for people who are listening to this, today is five eleven day. So, happy five eleven day. Go be tactical today, guys. So, if we make a reference to like being locked down and the end of Corona, and by the time you get around to listening to this, everyone's outside licking each other's faces again or whatever. That's, that's why, was, we recorded this May 11th. So anyway, Annette, uh, speaking of, tell us a little bit about what you've been up to. I know you started some new projects lately. Give you know, For people who don't know who you are, tell them a little bit about your background.
1: So my name is Annette Evans. I've been shooting and in, in the self-defense world for longer than I care to admit now. It's been a, it's been a hot minute. I have done quite a bit of competitive shooting. Um, I um, formally sh- I have formally shot for a couple of major manufacturers, I've done USPSA, I've done IDPA, I've done 3GUN, and then in the last couple of years, I spent a lot of time training on the self-defense tactical side of the house, doing a lot of work with ShivWorks, spending time in the BJJ gym, which I miss a lot right now, and I recently started a new project that's sort of the culmination of all of the training that I've done, so I've kind of not moved on from Beauty Behind the Blast, which is kind of my original brand, but I have started doing this new thing called On Her Own, which is really more for everybody else rather than chronicling my own story. Interesting. And
0: that's one of the things that you see a lot with people uh, with firearms industry, individual type brands, myself included, is the content Starts as here's my own story, you know. Here's my journey through the through this, and a lot of people never really get past that. Um, but it's neat to see that you've taken this and you've expanded it past just the here's the story of Annette to here's content that I want to be relevant for everyone. Now, I did notice the use of a female gender pronoun in the uh, title of your new venture. Are you excluding the uh, penis-abled Americans from this?
1: No, you are all welcome. I just think that the experience of women is a little bit different and there are very few women right now speaking to women about not just safety, you know, I'm thinking about personal safety, self-defense and all those issues, but I'm also thinking about just what is life like for women who have to manage whether their entire life by themselves or little bits and pieces. And if guys want to weigh in on it, that's cool. If guys learn something from it, that's cool. But I'm mostly speaking to the girls.
0: That's totally reasonable. And if there are any guys out there who are suddenly about to be like, well, actually just don't just let it be. All right. It is perfectly in. And this is one of the things that as a professional, as an instructor, I actually have to spend a lot of time thinking about because you know, a perfect example of this is Would you say that it's very easy for us to sometimes get dogmatic about like what you should and shouldn't carry? For personal defense, right? Like, especially in kind of like the close knit circles that we run in, where, you know, I might text Scott jadlinski or Steve Fisher and ask for their opinion on something. And then I can't, and then I'm going to try to take that advice and apply it to a class of people getting their concealed carry permit for the first time. And we're like, no, man, you've got to carry a Beretta APX with with an RMR and a weapon light, and you've got to have a spare mag, and I have two knives. And I carry all of this stuff because it's my job and then but that doesn't necessarily apply to a single mom in her 30s who doesn't want to be afraid when she walks to her car after work
1: yep and even there's physical differences too right Mm -hmm. so you're you're not a large man but you're still bigger than me Mm -hmm. and you're still going to be stronger than me and there's things that you're going to be able to do that i'm not so for you to say, I'm going to carry all this stuff, I'm like, that's cool. But I-, I can carry a Glock 19 and all, the- all the bits and pieces that we would think of as EDC. But it's a lot of work, and it's not something I think is fair to expect of other people who look like me, who live the kinds of lives that are like mine outside of the gun industry. I carry 19 because, you know, I do this stuff, you know, for a part of my living. I don't carry 19 because you know it's easy
0: right obviously we have to call out the exception to this rule which is our mutual friend Melody Lauer who carries a rocket launcher <laughs> and a reload <laughs> and, like for real people if you search around melody's content uh, i have never seen somebody so small who carries more shit concealed better than i mean i i once went out to dinner with her and she was carrying a 19 of reload a knife and medical and Melody is like five feet tall and weighs 63 pounds. So, you know, that's the one exception to all of this is Melody. But back to the point, I absolutely agree with you. And I think it's important for, if I could make one change about the way the industry quote unquote messages things to people, it would be that there isn't actually, there is no actual way in terms of the things that you have, the only real way is in terms of what you're doing up here. Yes.
1: And even that, there's going to be differences, right? So the Mm. way that I walk through a dark parking lot is going to be a little bit different than the way you walk through a dark parking lot in terms of things that I'm worried about, things that could happen to me.
0: That's very true. You know, I think that the longer you do this as a guy in the firearms industry, those actually tend to converge more. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I am, you know, a better, uh, a better example is the way that my wife walks through a dark parking lot is completely different than the way a guy who played linebacker for Ohio State walks through a dark parking lot. They have equal levels of, you know, martial arts and shooting training, but the guy who played linebacker for Ohio State is also 6'4 and weighs 280 pounds. So, you know, things like that are important and it's important to think about because, the mindset is different and you know, I have never, and even before I started doing this, I've never really like walked around. So perfect example, my neighborhood, uh, because of the Corona, a lot of the local restaurants shut down, right? And the local restaurants were the primary force at keeping the homeless population at bay because they would shoo them out because it's bad for business to have crackheads rolling around. I don't know if crackheads is offensive to somebody, I don't care. That's what they are. So, anyway, with the quarantine and the shutdown of all of these businesses, the homeless population in my area exploded. And it went from like two or three that I recognize, I know their patterns, blah, 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 to a whole bunch of unknown actors. And even when I was walking past them and they were like shouting and screaming and stuff like that, except for one recent incident, I was never actually afraid. I was concerned because I'm like, I don't know what this crackhead's going to do but if he does do something he's going to get the forbidden breath spray and then we're going to see what happens after that but i've never been like in a position where i'm like like that tense fear that a lot of that a lot of women describe walking through a parking lot at night for example you know and then that then they put their keys in their fingers and we're going to talk about that later we are going to talk about that i promise you so but i do think it's important that people have that outlet where they can get things that are messaged for their experience because we all experience the world through different, um, different lenses.
1: Yeah, I think that that's really one of the big drivers for On Her Own and even more so than just the woman's experience. I think that as an industry, the firearms industry, the self-defense industry, we do really, really good at messaging particularly to women's, women as moms. Mm-hmm you know, protecting the kids, the mama bear idea, things like that, and I'm not a mom, and I'm at the moment more single than not, and that's changed, amazingly, that changed about as I was launching on her own, right, but, but, um, you know, I was divorced last year, and I thought, we don't speak a lot to women who live by themselves, who don't have anybody else to take care of, and who don't have anybody to take care of them, Mm -hmm. We don't talk as much about like the woman traveler on her own, the woman commuter on her own. We don't talk as much about the woman who might be living with somebody, but not safe there.
0: You know, it's interesting that you bring that up because it's true. I'm I'm I think of a lot of firearms industry messaging and you see a lot of, you know, protect your kids and all of that's great. Like I'm, I'm all for that, but I don't, I can only recall one time that I specifically remember an advertisement that was messaged for single women and it was during the Glock 43 launch. And it was that, that chick who was at home, like watching TV and somebody kicks her door down and she shoves a 43 in their face and the guy runs. And I was like, that was actually a pretty cool ad. Like I, like I, I know some people hated on it cause it was cheesy, but it's an ad. What do you expect? Um, but that's interesting that you bring that up because if you look at the actual crime statistics Single women are at are like an extremely high risk demographic for violence, whether it's stranger violence or acquaintance violence. You're when you're in that demographic, you're actually like at way more risk than a suburban mom of four who lives with her husband in you know Fishers, Indiana.
1: Hmm. So there's that, and it it cuts across ages too, right? Mm-hmm. And there, there's a different risk profile for that early 20 something who's in college just out of college living on her own for the first time to maybe somebody in her 50s or 60s who suddenly got divorced and is facing life all by herself for the first time ever with or without kids.
0: Yeah, very, very true. Um, Speaking of risk profiles and risk mitigation. So I tapped on this subject just a little bit earlier. And it was one of the things that you see a lot is bad self defense advice for women and there's so there's so much bad self defense advice for women that it's it's shocking to me that like i The best way I can describe it is there's so much bad self-defense advice for women. It sort of proves how in general safe it is to live in America because if women were out there having to use this bad self-defense advice on the reg, there'd be dead bodies stacked up all over the place more so than there already are. Case in point, keys in your fingers. The floor is yours.
1: It's a bad idea. Don't do it. Um, It's really attractive because we think of keys as this like sharp spiky thing and they're going to scrape and they're going to hurt somebody when we poke them with it. But using them is actually more likely to hurt the user than it is to anybody else because you're going to stick those keys through your fingers and they're going to move around. They're not going to stay in your hands. They're actually going to start scraping through your fingers if you actually hit anything with them because there's nothing to hold them steady in your hand like a good punch dagger would and they're not actually that sharp. They're not actually going to do that much cutting because, you know, we've all kind of scraped our hands along our keys, trying to dig them out of a pocket or dig them out of a drawer or something, and they don't really hurt that much. So all they're going to do is hurt you, and I mean, they give us false sense of security with this idea that, oh, they're going to magnify what I can do to somebody if I need to you know, trying to punch them in self-defense or something like that. And then there's another thing, too. They rely on the fact that you have to punch somebody. Right. That's the part that, that like,
0: blows my mind is, like, even me, someone who has a reasonable amount of training in hand-to-hand force uh, or hand-to-hand, you know, in fighting, for whatever you want to call it, the last thing I want to do is punch somebody. I don't want to get in a fist fight. Like, No. Because physical force is, like, going hands-on with people is super fucking dangerous. Uh, and yeah. if your stick your keys through your fingers is your primary – yeah, that, one, that, that is one that drives me nuts. And it drives me nuts for a number of reasons. Because it, it drives me nuts because it acknowledges that there is a certain level of danger that you want and a certain level of risk that you want to mitigate – So let's give you the stupidest possible way to mitigate it that actually makes things worse for you. Like you are better learning how to strike somebody with an open hand slap or rake them in the eyes. There's like any better techniques, way better techniques.
1: There's something to think about, especially because this is recommended to women is no matter how good of a striker you are as a woman, you are going to be weaker than almost all men. That's simply a physical fact. We have less upper body strength. And I've been working out. I mean, like, you know, I, I'm not weak, but there's no way I can outclass somebody, a man, even my size, let alone larger, who wants to hurt me.
0: Right. Like and most guys are larger than them. you.
1: Yeah. So that's just a simple fact. I would like it to be otherwise. I mean, I just watched UFC last night. I love watching the girls fight, but there's a reason that the girls fight in different divisions and different weight classes the men.
0: Like, unless you're Valentina Shevchenko, who, if you guys don't know who that is, she's the current 135-pound female uh, UFC championship champion, and she could kick the soul clean out of my body. But, like, most women aren't Valentina Shevchenko, you know? Most women can't throw a roundhouse kick that'll knock your fucking block off. So, the idea that your primary solution is basically one step up from a closed fist punch, which... Interesting it not <laughs> right and that's the thing it isn't a well Delivered closed fist strike will do more damage than trying to scratch somebody with your keys that there Let's if yeah. if people only listen to the first You know 10-15 minutes of this show and all they take away from that is a well Delivered closed fist strike is more effective than trying to scratch somebody with your keys Then we've done our job and the world is a slightly less dumb place today <laughs>
1: Yes. In fact, what I'd rather you do is attach a pepper spray to your keychain. That's going to go a lot further.
0: Well, let's talk about pepper spray because self-defense myth-busting number two, pepper spray doesn't
1: work. (laughs) It works. Yeah. It works really, really well. I've been sprayed by two of the major products on the market myself, as well as spraying other people in training. So it definitely works. And all the people who claim that you can get immune to it, or they'll just fight through it, it's still better than the alternative.
0: Absolutely, considerations for using pepper spray. So I've had four. I've had four pepper spray uses of force in the last couple of years. Um, and a couple of important considerations just like anything it is not a one-size-fits-all tool and you want to be and one thing with pepper spray that i do recommend is you do want to be aware of your environmental conditions like don't spray it into a 35 mile an hour headwind guys all right but you know that's and this this is my sort of one of my problems is for any self-defense tool to work the way you want it to work, you have to be paying attention on what's going on around in your world, right? And back when we were allowed to go outside for things other than dog walking, how often would you go in any public setting and see, I don't know, describe the average person that you would see walking around in any public setting. So if you're if you're listening to the audio version of this, Annette picked up doing her phone looking- and- yeah. Just yeah, and staring started playing with it. straight at her phone. Just right. And if you're lucky,
1: her. they might be you know, doing this a little bit, but they're still mostly looking at their phone.
0: I have had to just yesterday or not yesterday, just Friday. I was out for a run and I had to jump off the sidewalk into the bike lane to get her. It's a narrow sidewalk to get around this uh, woman who was walking towards me. Now, I'm running. I'm making noise. We're outside and she's walking towards me with her head down, texting on her phone. And I'm, you know, 50 meters away. And I'm like, okay, she's going to look up and see me and move. Oh, she's nope. 25 meters. She's going to look up and see me and move. Nope. Nope. Five <laughs> meters. She looks, she, she hasn't looked up yet. I jump off the sidewalk, like at a two meter distance, land in the bike lane, dodge the bike, jump back up onto the sidewalk and you asshole as I keep running. Uh, <laughs> she never noticed. Nope. She probably didn't hear the asshole no, either. Oh, absolutely not. Had her earbuds in, but, and that's the thing, right? So Situational awareness is so important and I'm not talking to address this. Would you say that you have to like people
1: misunderstand the idea of
0: what situational awareness is?
1: So, so, so much. It's not this head on a swivel, watching your six, awareing all the time. That's not what situational awareness is. For one, you can't do that. It's not actually possible. You can't aware all of the time.
0: But what you can do when you're not in your home is pay attention. And there's a huge difference between uh, between alertness and like checking for danger and just being in the moment. And if you I, – I don't know. I struggle with calling it situational awareness because I think that term gets jacked up. I just want people to be present in whatever it is that they're doing. Because if you're being present when you're walking down the sidewalk and you're not texting or watching a funny video or something like that, you're not going to get hit by a car. Because to broaden this conversation outside of self-defense, there's a lot of crap outside of your house that will kill you if you're not paying attention. (laughs) It's true. People get hit by cars cars all the time. Yeah, I mean, that's a great example. I've had people walk into the street in front of me when I'm in a moving car and look at me like I'm the jerk. And I'm like, ah, uh, hi, car. So now with this whole, with, with, the, with On Her Own and with a lot of what you're doing, you, know, you mentioned a lot of the training that you've done and I wanna go back to pepper spray because you've actually taken pepper spray classes, right? Oh yes.
1: So I'm actually a pepper spray instructor under Chuck Haggard and I'm also a law enforcement pepper spray trainer.
0: Well, that's cool. So tell me a little bit about and tell the people out there a little bit about what goes into pepper spray instruction. Because like everything, we tell people all the time, get pepper spray, you know, and then they're like, okay, cool. What, what do I do with this now?
1: So pepper spray, one of the cool things about it is it's relatively easy to learn. And if I'm putting together a pepper spray curriculum or if I'm in one of the pepper spray classes I'm taking, I'm expecting to see a little bit about what is it right? What exactly is pepper spray? What, what is it? What does it do? What is safe about it? What is not safe about it? And really, it's, it's safe. It's organic even, right? <laughs> it's 100%
0: non-GMO <laughs> certified forbidden breath spray.
1: <laughs> all, all it is is really, really, really concentrated peppers mm-hmm. in a propellant. And the chances of somebody actually being Definitely allergic to it or being affected to the point where they're dying from it are So infinitesimally low that they're really not worth thinking about for most situations Isn't is isn't it?
0: Uh, I feel like I, this guy I could be wrong and if I'm pulling this out of my ass I apologize to the listeners, but I feel like somebody once actually did a surge and there were zero Pepper spray related fatalities in the entire history of its use and there was one fatality where a dude had a went into cardiac arrest because he was like morbidly obese and he got pepper sprayed and his body was just like fuck me i quit and that doesn't really count because like don't be morbidly obese that's what killed him it wasn't the pepper spray
1: well there's there was one guy who um managed to either get burned to death or get burned very badly because there was a propellant that used to be used that was um Yeah, the aerosolized. Really, yeah, so that that tends to be a problem, but it's not really a problem with anything you can buy, particularly in the civilian market today. Is there um, any
0: brand that you recommend? Like, you know, I know, I, I, I know what you're going to say because yes. it's one we all carry. But
1: <laughs> so I recommend POM. and part of the reason I recommend POM is full disclosure: I have an affiliate relationship with them. If you buy my special Palm package, I get cash dollars. But I also carry Palm Palm because it's a convenient package. It's easy to carry, and you can get a trainer for it that's almost identical. So the trainer is a really important part of this how do I use pepper spray thing. So from a practical perspective, if I need to just shove pepper spray into the hand of a friend and say, I know you're going to need this tonight for whatever reason. This is what I need you to know. All I really need to do is say, here's the trainer. It sprays water and all you need to do is learn how to hold this which is you're going to put the thumb your thumb underneath the little safety and you're going to press the button and you're going to spray somebody across the eyes yep and all the trainer's going to do is show you in water where that spray is going to go so you can figure out how you need to hold it how you need to aim it and you can practice it on a window on somebody who's wearing a pair of sunglasses on a target yeah, so you do
0: practice this on a person, guys. Please be aware. Eye safety is important. The yes. the It is under pressure. It's not going to blind you. The water jet mm-hmm. won't blind you. But, you know, wear safety glasses, guys. Um, now, and then the, you can see what you hit if you wear safety glasses. The targeting zone for that is uh, – Important and I want to visit that because I read a very stupid thing on the internet shocker I know where a very stupid person was like, well, since we're in these corona times and everyone's wearing masks You don't need to carry pepper spray anymore. And I'm like (sighs) So I So the first thing about that is back to what you said, what's the primary targeting area for spray
1: The primary targeted area for pepper spray is right across somebody's eyes. If they're wearing glasses or safety glasses, as some people are doing now or some people just do because, you know, we're human beings, is you kind of go right above the the brow, on the brow line, right above the glasses so that it can, you know, drip down and do its magic
0: hmm so you want to get it so for people listening or watching you want to get pepper spray in the eyes that's where it's most effective is not in the nose and mouth now it sucks to get pepper spray in your nose and mouth ask me how i know but <laughs> here's the other thing about um these masks unless someone's wearing an actual n95 mask the spray is going to still affect them if you get it in, if you get it on their mask. All right. And I would be willing to bet that most people aren't actually properly wearing their N95 masks. So again, primary targeting zone, the eyes. So that's so this whole you don't need to pepper spray. You shouldn't carry pepper spray because people are wearing masks is stupid. And I'd like to find the guy who said that and pepper spray him while he wears an N95 mask.
1: Um, We, one of the times that we were doing some pepper spray work with live spray in training, uh, one of the guys brought their kids mm -hmm. and put him in an organic filter mask. That was okay. That worked for him. But anything less than that, and especially the fabric masks that most people are wearing now, all that's really going to do is if you manage to spray the mask it's going to just hold that pepper spray right there.
0: Yeah. It's, it's going cont- to be
1: more unpleasant for
0: them. It's going to contaminate your mask and then you're going to be breathing p- air through these pepper particles. That's going to be real fun. Let me tell you what.
1: Your oh, man- sinuses will be clear for the next 2 months. It's great for allergy season.
0: God, I wish we had done this bef- like I wish we had done this episode a month ago, because we could have arranged, like, once the quarantine was over, to live spray people wearing masks. <laughs> Dude, you know that you okay? First off, we have some we'll deranged, yeah, actually, we have some deranged friends. Like, I feel like if we'll we can happen. coordinate this, we could actually do a pepper spray efficacy versus common uh, <laughs> barrier masks. We can do, we can get cloth masks, we can get surgical masks, we can get N95 masks. And because here's the thing, we know that if you're wearing like a sealed respirator system, pepper spray won't work on you. on Unless your, your eyes aren't protected. Right, unless your eyes aren't protected. So when I think of sealed respirators, I think of the one that mm-hmm. Uncle Sam gave me that actually seals my face against like poison
1: gas and crap like that. So feel well, free. Let me ask you, how many times have you been out lately watching somebody in a mask with nothing over their eyes?
0: all of them less so less so in miami because it's sunny out here and people wear sunglasses but my favorite are the people and i wish i had a mask to show you are the people who wear the mask and it's over their mouth and it's not covering their nose. nose and i'm like you know that you you needs to be over like <laughs> your 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 holes right it needs to cover the whole system not one of the holes you have three holes that that's supposed to cover cover all three of them not just the one But it's crazy. I think, (laughs) so the mask thing, and I wanted to ask you about this. Has this, one of the things that we see in the firearms industry is people buying guns and knives and pepper spray as talismans. And then they don't act any differently because they have them and they still go to dumb places at dumb times with dumb people. And usually they end up getting negative outcomes as a result of that. Have you seen similar behavior from people who with their, required ppe now
1: oh absolutely i mean you see people all the time for instance wearing masks and then they get itchy so they take their dirty hands scratch and put the mask back on right or they put the mask on to go into the store and then they get before cleaning their hands they take the mask off and put it back on
0: well and i don't think anybody's talked about like you know, in all of this, you have to wear a mask. No one's talked about donning and doffing procedures for these, which there's, so for you guys who are listening, there's an actual way that if you have a reusable mask and you, and you want to like take it on or take it off in between uses, but you might have passed through a contamination environment, what you do is you have to grab the mask by the ear loops That's the only part of the mask that you can touch is the ear loops. And you take it off and you lay it down on your surface. And then when you pick it up to put it back on, you only touch the ear loops. You don't touch the front of the mask or the inside of the mask. Those are the, the inside of the mask is the part you want to keep clean. And the front of the mask is the part that's dirty. You grab it by the ear loops and you go like that. And it's a pain in the butt, but it also prevents you from smearing your
1: dirty hands all over your mask. Yep. And, you know, for all the people who are like, well, nobody's wearing their masks correctly. I would like to remind you that four or six weeks ago, what were we all learning how to do again? Wash, our how hands. To wash your hands. We had to explain to the entire world again how to wash your hands. You have to wash between your fingers. You have to wash the backs of your hands. You have to use soap. It has to take a certain amount of time. We all learned how to do this four or six weeks ago. We can all learn how to put a mask on and take it off it's it's not much harder
0: and like regardless of how some people i know i have some listeners who are like fuck masks i'm not wearing it blah 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 hey man you know what i that's, that's fine in you that's and, in and you. i i do i i get the knee jerk like automatic disobedience buttons whenever the government tells me i have to do something i'm like you're not the boss of me so i understand uh, actually they kind of are well me yeah but that's only like <laughs> part of that's only one part of the government that's allowed to do that and they actually did tell me i have to wear a mask in a lot of settings so i do but to the to more to the point is i understand that but like what i don't get is i don't understand people who choose to wear the ppe or are required to wear it for whatever reason and don't wear it correctly because then it doesn't work. It's just like, you know, it, it, to me, it is just like somebody who goes out and buys a gun for personal protection and maybe they get a concealed carry permit and they never carry their gun and they don't learn how to shoot it effectively. And I'm like, so you could have just bought a squirt gun and it would have done the same thing.
1: But here's another thing that's related to that. I think that a lot of us are easily offended right now by people who just aren't doing it right. You know, we're making fun of people who are not doing it right. But here's what I would put to question there is if I do it right, if I don and doff my mask correctly, if I'm washing my hands correctly, what somebody else does, that's on them.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now,
1: I might make fun of them on the Internet because they don't know how to wear a mask. But at the end of the day, there's no reason for me to walk up to somebody and be like, dude, you're dumb. Don't you know you need to put that mask over all of the holes on your face?
0: Yes. Damn. So one of the things to talk about in these Corona times is, would you say everybody's kind of wound down three or four clicks tighter than we normally are?
1: Uh, Everybody, me included. Yeah. So with that- everybody
0: when people are stressed out and wound up about things that they can't control the potential for normal interactions to go sideways goes up the potential for confrontational interactions which normally would have been just a yeah whatever to go sideways goes way up so it is not your job or my job, or anybody's job, to tell people how they should be wearing their masks. It's not your job to snitch on people who are wearing not wearing a mask. It's not your job to do any of these things. You let these people. It's not even
1: your job to snitch on people who have opened their businesses and they're not supposed to.
0: Yeah. No. Just absolutely. Just like let. Just don't go. Yeah. Oh no! Somebody's doing something I don't like. I need to. I need to create a. M- a potentially hazardous situation for that person, for the law enforcement officers who are responding.
1: No, just, just let it go. It's not your problem. Yeah. Keep yourself safe. And that means wearing your mask correctly, washing your hands, appreciate the fact that if they cover their mouth hole, at least it's that many particles that aren't coming out. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't negatively affect you if you're doing your thing correctly.
0: Now, if somebody like you know tries to spit on you in the grocery store, react differently to that. But that's the problem: is we've got this idea, and I, I I do get frustrated because I think a lot of the coverage of the this current crisis has been intentionally engineered to make people afraid. Uh, and yes. I think that if we just chill out, wear your masks, and don't worry about people who aren't wearing masks or you know, if you see a guy licking somebody else consensually, then just that's fine. They can lick each other. Um, I did actually feel like a dick recently. I was—I I got to, one of the local ranges has opened up to shoot uh, matches again, and which is so nice. Oh my god! I mean, I shot like crap, but that's not the point. Uh, it was so nice because just to get out and go shoot and go shoot with other people. And like at the start of the match, so for people who have never shot a match, it's a very common practice for other members of your squad to ask if someone will video them. And this dude I'd never met before, I was kind of standing there, he was getting ready to go. He's like, hey, do you mind videoing me? And what I meant to say was, sorry, dude, I'm not comfortable touching your camera because that's gross. I, what, one of the things people don't know about me is I wouldn't have wanted to touch his camera before Corona because people will be like two knuckles deep going for brain cells and then pull their phone out and swipe all over their pictures. Now it's got booger germs and all kinds of nasty hit crap on your phone. So I don't want to touch your phone ever. There's no circumstance where I'm going to be the guy who's like, yeah, I'll video you complete stranger that I've never met. I'm not the one. So anyway, he asked me that. And what I wanted to say was something polite. And what I actually said was, I don't want to touch your fucking phone, man. And I felt so bad because I was like, that was rude. But it also accomplished my mission because he didn't ask me to video him for the rest of the day. So, but also, sorry, dude, that was super rude. I apologize.
1: For people who want to be nice in circumstances like that, what I always used to do was, hey, dude, I'll get you on my phone. I know how it works. Let me know how to get them to you later on.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have this an iPhone? Be I'll, friendly. Yeah, I'll just airdrop, I'll just airdrop it, airdrop it, it. You. Yep. Yeah. Or you can go pro level and do what I do and bring a tripod and set my camera up on the tripod. No one has to touch it ever, and that's wonderful. Uh, it does require some extra support gear, though. But speaking of competition shooting, because I know that you – I'm going to say you are a, a, still technically a competition shooter, even though I think you've had – I think you've gone longer in between matches than I did.
1: Oh, has been about a year and a half. It's been almost two years now. Um, last year, I took a break and trained – uh, a lot mm-hmm. i, I, I want to i had hundreds and hundreds of hours of training last year and the year before that i think i shot area eight and put down my guns for the year you're like so, that's good we're, yeah, yeah, we're done yeah. but we're done you know there, there's been a lot going on in my life there's been a lot going on in general and i wasn't feeling the feeling it and i'm kind of this was going to be my year to return mmm Instead, there is not a match to be found in my area.
0: Nope. No, this was, uh, it's interesting how this has affected a lot of people's training plans, too, because you were super into Brazilian jiu-jitsu before all of this went down, right?
1: Yes. Yes. I had actually, um, I was training twice a week, and I was coming up on my two-year mark in June. I had actually just gotten a promotion, super excited, and the way uh, the way everything shut down in my area. I literally woke up one morning, everything was fine, and by afternoon, everything was shut down. I mean, that's
0: that kind of happened in a lot of places too. Like in Miami, it was very much of a trickle. It was like, a, "Hey, we're gonna shut this down. We're gonna go to fifty percent. We're gonna go to zero. The beaches are closed now." But like a lot of other places, it was like, "We're fine. We're fine. We're fine." and then they weren't yep. fine.
1: Yeah, I literally had jiu-jitsu stuff in my car. Wow. To go to class and they're like yeah no everything's closed. I'm like this, 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 this. so it's been a hot minute since so, I've been in a little chain and I'm not happy.
0: What is it about jiu-jitsu that's so appealing to you? You know, regardless of whether as a woman or a uh, human or, you know, whatever you identify as these days, uh, I don't know that shit may have changed. But what is it about jujitsu that's so appealing?
1: I think that you talked earlier about being in the moment. Mm-hmm. There is nothing you can do in jiu-jitsu but be in the moment. And if you forget to be in the moment in the middle of jiu-jitsu, you're you going to, to be forcibly reminded. somebody's gonna choke you or try to arm bar you or heel hook you or something. Oh, looks... So it's a really great I know, right? They're just oh but there's something about jujitsu that forces you to do that. And for those of us who aren't very good at being in the moment, it's great training and it's a great reminder. Um, it's also something that, you know, there's a sense of accomplishment to it as you learn. I'm not particularly good at learning things physically, and I kind of show up at class and absorb what I can and shrug at the rest and show up for the next class. And, you know, a couple of months later or sometimes a year later, I'll go, oh, that thing that I didn't understand suddenly clicked. Mm -hmm. And I'm able to do it now. And that is really, really cool. And it's just something different. You know, I've been spending so much time in the firearms industry in sort of that straight self-defense industry for so long to be at a gym that is a little bit more sport oriented. You know we, we know that in the real world we can use jiu we could talk about street jujitsu, but the gym itself tends to be a little bit more sport oriented and it's a whole different group of people and it's nice to just go do that thing for a couple hours at a shot and go home and do something else
0: so what you're saying is you went from being deeply involved in one community of uh passionate nerds who obsess about minute details to being deeply involved in another community of passionate nerds who obsess about minute details. It's just, instead of trying to figure out the most efficient way to move the gun from the holster to presentation, it's the most efficient way to strangle someone in their pajamas. Yes. I have no problem with uh, rolling with strangling people in their pajamas, as long as it's consensual strangling. I, I mean, it's sort of consensual
1: strangling. Right.
0: No, the, at, the consent is that we agree to enter into this mutual contest of strangling you don't want to be strangled or armbarred or kimuraed or any of these other fun words but you agree that we're going to have a contest to see who's it gonna could win. happen yeah it could happen i accept it's just like any it's just like any martial art you accept the fact or any sort of force on force you accept the you're consenting to the possibility that you could get hurt and what mm-hmm. is going to prevent that is your ability to absorb the a, the course information and execute it when someone else is trying to hurt you which yes. is why i love things like force on force training when it's done well uh so you've done a lot of force-on-force force training. I know you've done yes. ECQC, uh, most famously sh- uh, involving ABBA in some facet. Uh, you've also done EWO, which is like ECQC but with no guns, so it's really a lot of wrestling. Have you ever done any really bad force-on-force force where you are just like, ah,
1: this is not safe? Um, so the not safe probably because that's just the kind of thing that I walk out of or would walk out of if I see it Mm -hmm. and more of the, this is force on force, but it's not really teaching the lessons Mm. that should be learned in force on force, where it sort of devolves into, we're going to run around and shoot each other with paintball airsoft Sims guns, Mm -hmm. but we're not really going to learn the lessons that are intended to be taught By putting somebody in a force-on-force scenario.
0: It just turns into a big old squirt gun fight.
1: Yeah. With better scars.
0: Yeah. So, and interestingly, we had uh, a lot of the, and this is, so the last episode I did, uh, I was very positive about the level of technical training that I've gotten through my Air Force career. I'm about to be negative because a lot of the force-on-force training that we do in the Air Force is crap. And the reason why it's crap is because it is a box that we have to check and we have to do this. So what ends up happening is we end up having a big old uh, simunitions gunfight and nobody really learns anything valuable from it unless the training instructor who's running it is squared away and they can control the scenario. So why is it that force on force needs to be so tightly structured to be effective? Why do you think that is?
1: I think that it's not even just a force on force problem, but an instructional problem in general, right? Like there's a a goal that we have to move people towards in self-defense training of what it is that they need to learn in order to actually be safe. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to circle way back around to, you know, talking about women's self-defense training and how bad a lot of it is, is we create this goal and we create these things to get there that don't really do that
0: like groin strikes
1: they, they might work if you're lucky wouldn't rely on them so we, we do a lot of this instruction without thinking about what it is we're actually asking them to do if they actually have to apply this mm-hmm. it's like taking a concealed carry class and never once drawing from concealment
0: fun fact uh according to the state of florida the uh, certification that you have to get to get your concealed carry permit does not require you to draw from concealment. You could literally fire three rounds at three yards from a 22 and hit a piece of paper and you're good to get a carry permit, which there's a whole political discussion that we can have about training requirements for carry permits. We're not getting into that right now. Um, I think that if you accept the tremendous burden of carrying a gun for personal protection, you should probably be able to use it correctly, but Hey, that's just me. So anyway, so back to what you were saying though is we so create. So let's say
1: we're gonna we, we create training environments and training scenarios all across the self defense industry that don't really match up with real life. Mm-hmm. You know, like we we ask people to take a concealed carry shooting class with a full size gun and an open hole, open top holster, open carried. And there's there's a re- there's a pedagogical reason to start people there, right? You know. I'm sorry, I'm using big words.
0: No, that was a good one. I know what that means. You might want to explain it though because (laughs) some of my listeners...
1: So there are reasons that you want somebody to learn how to shoot on a full-size gun. There are reasons you want somebody to learn how to draw from an open-top holster carried openly. However, if we are going to prepare this person for concealed carry, we have to teach them how to draw their concealed carry gun out of their concealed carry holster from concealment.
0: No, why would you want to make simulate the way you're doing it in the real world?
1: So when we move to force on force work and you see this both in classes where there are essentially giant squirt gun fights and even in women's self-defense classes, if we say we're going to teach you this technique that's going to work against somebody who's actively resisting you who doesn't want to do it and then we don't actually provide that resistance, and we don't make the problem in a safe way as close as we can to the actual problem, then what's the point?
0: Mm -hmm. One of the things that drives me nuts. So, uh, some of my background, I have, I have a black belt in Taekwondo and a black belt in Hapkido. And I did, uh, competition martial arts up until my early twenties. And one of the things that always annoyed me is when we would teach, you know, self-defense techniques And we would never do them with any level of resistance because it doesn't even have to be like kind of your, your, your training for this stuff is very similar to dry fire. So I think of dry fire as your 0% resistance, right? Mm -hmm. So 0% resistance is where if Annette and I are pummeling, we're grappling, we are not, she is not fighting me or I'm not fighting her. She is letting me feel what it's like to execute the technique perfectly right? And that's an important part of training. But an equally important part of training, whether it's in dry fire, as an example, is adding par times, because par times are like resistance. Now I have a goal, I have something that I'm fighting to get faster than, just like in training, if we ratchet up the resistance, you know, now we're pummeling, and I'm going for an underhook, and you're giving me 20% resistance, or you're going for an underhook, and I'm giving you 50% resistance. Ratcheting this resistance up is super duper important. However, and this goes back to the control thing, it needs to be done progressively. Because if you take two people who have never underhooked somebody and you have them pummel for 15 minutes at 0% resistance, uh, and then you say, all right, go. Uh, people are going to get hurt. You're not going to learn anything valuable because you're going to get frustrated because you're not going to know how to execute the technique under any sort of pressure. So, so that's why it's important to train with resistance, but it's equally important to have training partners that understand resistance and an instructional environment that gradually increases the level of resistance. Cause if you go from zero to a hundred, you're just as jacked as you would be if you just started at a hundred.
1: Yep. And, and I think that going from zero to hundred without those steps in between, not only does it lead to people getting hurt mm-hmm. and it absolutely does. I've seen that happen is it also leads to an environment where people don't want to come back and learn more. Mm-hmm. Right. There's, so it's not good to give 0% the whole way through because you're giving people false confidence or you're giving them things that don't work.
0: There's nothing more frustrating than being in a training environment and the instructor says, all right, you know, we're going to do this next technique and I want you guys to do about 50% resistance and you get stuck with the one guy who's like a hundred percent all the time. Uh, I had a guy like that in a class and God, I, and of course he was a bigger dude and I just wanted, I, I really just wanted to punch him in the face, but it wasn't a punching class. So I wasn't allowed to do that, but yeah, it was, it's, it's very, and you could tell by the end of the day, nobody wanted to partner with this guy because he was always just like full speed ahead. And I'm like, bro, you know, I, I don't know crap about jujitsu. I'm trying to learn here and you are not, you are not facilitating the learning environment. So, Caleb's top tip of the day, number six uh, if you're going to go to one of these classes, don't be that guy or girl. Because I've actually, I will say, I have seen that attitude with women in the community and here's as the other well. Thing. Go.
1: Because we have to prove ourselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, no, you don't. It's cool. You're here. That's enough proof, right? Like you showed up for the class. Congratulations. Uh, you have proved that you are interested in this. Now please that's enjoy all. the training. Well, and that's a, a, something that I brought up a lot of times is that, you know, at the end of the firearms industry community, self-defense community that we're at, uh, if you, if you look at like if we're going to do some fun math guys. All right. So there's what oh call it. No, no, no. Check this out. There's what a hundred million gun owners, right in the country, give or take. Call it up. Okay. So there's 30,000. So USPSA says their membership is about 30,000. IDPA says their membership's about 30,000. Let's assume that there's 50% wash in between those, right? So at least 50% of their membership is, uh, crosses over between both. So that's 45,000. How big would you say like the active training community is? Like people who go out and they're training junkies that take classes, maybe another 10,000 people, maybe. At best. I mean, between you and me, we know most of them. Right. So <laughs> let's say 10,000, just, just for the sake of shits and gigs. So that gives us 55,000 people, okay? 55,000 people out of 100 million gun owners. 55,000 divided by 100 million Times 100 to give me a percent is 0.055%. So literally, and I, cause I said this at a class, I said to somebody, I'm like, just by showing up at this class, you are in the top 1% of gun owners. Mm-hmm. So as it actually turns out, if you take more than one class, or you're a USPSA member and shoot more than one match, you're in the top 0.055% of gun owners. And that's crazy when you think about it. Like, and you know, obviously, there's people out there who just have like a hunting rifle or a shotgun or whatever. And that's totally fine. That's your life. But I don't, know if, I don't know if this is even an accurate statement, but I think a lot of times those of us that service the 0.055% forget that there's another 99,945,000 gun owners out there.
1: And for that matter, we're talking gun owners. What about everybody else who's interested in personal protection? Right. And for whatever reason, doesn't own a gun. And that might be because they're too young. You know, we're talking about that segment, college girls, most of them are under 21 Mm -hmm.
0: and even the ones that are uh, a lot of times if you live on campus you're not allowed to have guns on campus you're not allowed to take guns to class and things like that and while I can feel people in the comments being like well just carry a gun regardless I'm like hey man some people don't want to break the law right like for real that's the thing most people people can't lose
1: their jobs yeah some people live in New Jersey you know, some people
0: <laughs> Some people live in New Jersey. Rude. Hey,
1: I, I am next door to New Jersey. I could say that I, I went to high school and college in Jersey.
0: God, New Jersey is so weird too. Like, it's
1: such a strange place. Um, I, I went to a concert in New Jersey once and I brought pepper spray with me. And they thought it was really adorable. Like that, that, that girl, was a little paranoid, a little strange, but it was really cute. She was so responsible. And then they made me check it in the tent outside the concert. Of course. But I could pick it up again afterwards. Perfect. Perfect. You know, there's a lot of people who don't own guns and they want to be safe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we, when we talk about the self-defense industry and then we start using numbers of gun owners. That's I mean, fair. Some, a class like Edge Weapon Overview, EWO, that I took, you don't need to be a gun owner or interested in guns or carry a gun to take that class and get something out of it.
0: You don't need to be a gun owner to take uh chuck's pepper spray courses or speaking of uh, chuck and pepper spray can you think of anyone else who's running open enrollment pepper spray courses
1: um saber does certifies instructors mm-hmm. so i know that they have a whole cadre of instructors who are teaching that i've seen more and more interest in teaching pepper spray I can't speak to the quality of that instruction. Well,
0: that's fair. Um, And you guys may have noticed that we're big proponents of pepper spray around here. It's because uh, one of the reasons that that I'm a big proponent of pepper spray is pepper spray is a lower use of force than punching somebody in the mouth. We'll use Annette as an example. Let's say Annette was drunk and was attempting to physically, I know, right? And it was (laughs) attempting to physically assault me and i deliver a and i you know blast her in the face with a shovel hook and you know it stops her attack on me and all of that and then the next day she goes to the police with a giant black eye and says this man beat the shit out of me blah 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 you know i'm gonna have a problem like the police are going to come talk to me um if you take that exact same situation and Annette is trying to assault me and I give her a dose of the forbidden breath spray you sh- the next day when she goes to pull the police there's nothing it's like i you know there's no physical evidence there's no traces or anything like that you might have some slight redness maybe some puffiness it look like you've been crying which you were cuz you got pepper sprayed <laughs> but it's it is and it's such like and the bar to use pepper spray to defend yourself, the bar that you need to be able to articulate is like it's off camera versus the bar that you need to be able to articulate as to why you shot someone, which is way up here. You know, so we in the professional community that we've in, we all love pepper spray. We think it's the beans and we all carry palm.
1: <laughs> yes, we do. And the other reason I love pepper spray is that it's something that I can carry pretty much everywhere. And I could carry it in my hand mm-hmm. at a lot of times. Oh, like, yeah. Things that you can't do with a gun is have a gun in your hand while you're walking through a parking lot. Things I yeah. could do with pepper spray, okay, you shouldn't. You probably will get the cops called in. <laughs>
0: For sure. Uh, Th- things yeah. I
1: can do with pepper spray is put it in my hand and walk through a parking lot.
0: I can't count the number of times that I've been literally out walking my dog and I've seen uh, an unknown homeless person and they're, you know, acting strange. And like in a way that makes me feel some kind of way. And I'll just take my pepper spray out of my pocket and palm it and have it in my hand with my thumb on top of the activator, not under the safety cap. But just like, do doo do just walking around, minding my own business. And nobody okay. thinks twice. You know, nobody really cares. Nope. So that's one of the huge advantages of pepper spray right there as well. Uh, let's we see. Still what off
1: in else? all 50 states?
0: Legal in all 50 states, absolutely. Some states have some strange restrictions yeah. about, like, you can only carry a canister so small until it becomes a concealed weapon, and then you have to have a permit. But uh, I cannot think of any state I, – I, the palm canisters that we all carry that I'll put a link to in the show notes for this are legal everywhere, and they're yep. wonderful – I do not have a financial relationship with Palm, but if they hear this and they want to slide into these DMs, I am all about that. Uh, I love shelling for good
1: companies,
0: you know? It's That's the great. only reason
1: I have a relationship with Palm is because I reached out to them saying, you're a good company. I love your stuff. Can we do something? Not, you know, I want to make some cash dollars. It's, this is a product I believe in. It's a product I carry. It's a product I give to people I love.
0: And so you can get on my level and be like, I want to make some cash dollars. Let me go find a good company. So Mar- our order is slightly reversed, but the end result is the same. Um, so speaking of self-defense and going back to on her own a little bit, Art, you're also partnering with, uh, you know, I- I'm almost afraid to say the NRA
1: So I'm doing a little bit of writing for NRA Women. They've relaunched their website and added a lot of articles, and I actually owe my editor a few things right now, as every freelance writer in the world does. Don't lie, you do too. Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) And, you know, I I think it's a great outlet because I want to talk to women who care about personal protection. Guns are a big part of it because at the end of the day, if I can carry a gun, it is going to be the greatest force equalizers that I have against somebody who can physically overpower me. Mm -hmm. So when it's appropriate to use, if it's appropriate to use, and I can do so correctly from a technical perspective, awesome. Love it. And the other thing is people who carry guns, people who don't carry guns, I think we all kind of understand that guns are sort of in this mix Mm -hmm. and other things can and should be in this mix. So you'll see me writing about things that are, that there is in fact an article out there where I talk about why keys are a terrible thing to use. Awesome. There's articles about in there about, you know, why it is that we should care about defending ourselves. You know, whether, for me, not for my kids, because I don't have any. I mean, my cat was here earlier, but that's about it. Um, And also about if we're going to use guns, how can we use them best? So it kind of goes all along that spectrum. It's not just for people who, have guns and well, I know that there's some people go, well, you know, the NRA, you know, there's all this controversy about them, blah, 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 blah. At the end of the day, they are the 800 pound grill in the room.
0: Right. And you're going to reach so many more people using their platform with, you know, and it's one of those, like, I would, you know, if I can get good information out there, I don't really care who is carrying that, uh, carrying that for me because, as much as, again, in a very small segment of the firearms industry, people are, you know, there's controversy about the NRA to the other 98 million gun owners out there that the NRA is just the biggest monolith that there is. Nope. All right, so before we wrap up, I'm gonna do a two questions. Question number one, if you could purge one piece of bad self-defense de- advice from the collective consciousness of any of everyone in the world, what would you what would you just like just tap into our Elon Musk brain links and delete one bad piece of self-defense advice? Which what would it be? Just. Just?
1: Just. If the answer to a self-defense scenario is just. Ah. I would get rid of that entirely. There, there is no room for just. I know I, I kind of cheated a little bit. No, but, but
0: you 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 nailed I it because. I think that is oh, the answer. Because the the concept of just, and we'll play this out in a way that is that that people can kind of understand. Because again, these are my listeners we're talking about here. All right, they're not all the freaking brightest because they listen to me. Uh, so, the idea here is if someone says. What do you do if someone is charging you at 21 feet with a knife and your reply is just shoot them. That's and or just pepper spray. You know, what if somebody tries to slap you in a bar, just pepper spray them. The idea of step to
1: the side, just walk away. Just, just, just.
0: The idea of simplistic absolutes, which we know only the Sith deal in absolutes. So removing i love this i actually really do the idea of removing simplistic absolutism from the self-defense zeitgeist is so great because one of the things that we're always saying is we want people to think i want people to you know i'm doing a whole series now of re revamping old videos i did about the four rules of gun safety where i'm like i don't want you to just Follow these rules. I want you to think about why you're following them and the context in which you're following them. Like if I tell you to tr- to just treat guns like they're always loaded at all times, well, no, you can't ever clean your gun or dry fire your gun. You know, I I, I don't want people to think to be closed minded and dogmatic. So I love that. I love this that that response. Fuck well, here's you, the other thing. response.
1: <laughs> here's another one: Farnham's rule, right? Don't do stupid things with stupid people at stupid times and stupid places. Paraphrased it's a, it's a pretty good rule to live life by you can't well, always do it
0: No, sometimes and one of the things that I firmly believe in is sometimes it's fun to do stupid things yes, And we totally have <laughs> Yeah, hi guys if you ever go to shot show and you see me and it's after the show it's a safe assumption I've been drinking uh, so anyway but no, and that's a, it's a good point too, because you know you don't I don't want to ever live my life like I'm a house mouse who's afraid to go play outside because you know i'm I want to defend my life. Yes, I want to defend my life, but I also want to go to the movies and I want to go to concerts, well, not so much concerts anymore. I'm getting old, but I want to go to bars. I love bars uh, you know, so yeah, no, that's good I don't you know that 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 just idea is. Don't be dogmatic in your thinking, guys, right? Like, think about the reasons why we do stuff, the reasons why these rules exist, and apply a little bit of critical thinking to it. And now for the second question, other than yourself or me, I don't count, what's one resource you would like to recommend to people who are looking for information about personal protection or any of these Topics, because we're going to plug your own stuff. But who else out there? Who do you get your information from? Who are the subject matter experts that you're reading?
1: Wow, I go to so many people, so many places. I've been blessed to have a lot of really good resources from a training perspective, from a media perspective, and everything else. Um, I think one of the broadest resources I can think of is ballistic radio.
0: Yes. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I would concur with that, guys. So go uh, subscribe to Ballistic Radio on iTunes or where else do they uh, follow them on Facebook. I think they post stuff there. Um, I just get them all on my phone because I live with my phone in my hands. All right. And one last question, a cheater question, if you will. What did you think about Ngannou's knockout at of Rosenstruck in the fight last <gasps> night? He killed that boy.
1: Whoa, that was amazing! It was just wow. That like, that was an incredible fight. I mean, there I, were a lot of good fights.
0: That was actually one of the the. I mean, honestly, like the title fight between uh, Gaethje and Tony. Absolutely lived up to the hype. Those dudes were just,
1: I was just sad. It didn't banging. go the full five rounds. It, it it
0: never was. There was no universe where you could have told me that that fight was going to go all five rounds. Somebody was getting finished, and I really and I don't. Okay, let's let's ask. So I
1: gotta say though, Tony really is the zombie king.
0: Yes, uh, I also agree. I also thought it was a good stoppage. Like at that point, no, hold- I
1: understand it. I at understand that the stoppage point in the
0: fight. Right before he stopped it, if you watch Tony, he's literally like stumbling around the ring at that point. Yeah. And Gaetje was just, and what was cool was Gaethje wasn't swinging for the fences with those shots. He was landing precise 90% shots over and over and over again. And I, for me as a fan of MMA, I hate to see a fighter take that kind of beating. Because I want to see more Tony fights. I still want to see Tony fight Khabib. I I would love to see Tony fight Connor. You know, I want to see Tony keep fighting. And so watching, you know, and so when the ref stopped it, I was like, that was a good stoppage. I was not... I was not at all upset with that stoppage. I was upset with the Dominic Cruz stoppage because I agreed. Oh, that agreed. was crazy. I, I agreed with Dominic Cruz that he was getting back up. Like, he wasn't out. He wasn't out of control. He was actively trying to get back up. And, and it was like, so
1: close to the end of the round. So. Yeah,
0: like, look, give me another, what, 15, 20 seconds? No, it was like
1: three or five seconds.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was really close. So, uh, yeah, that was I, – but I stayed up till 1.30 a.m. I watched the whole card. And wow. it was great guys. Like, so, so great. Um, Annette, that is it for this show. If people want to go find your stuff on the internet, where should they go and find you?
1: The best place right now is on Facebook, facebook.com slash on her own life. All right.
0: Facebook.com slash on her own life. Uh, you're also on Instagram. Uh,
1: also as on her
0: own life. Perfect. There you go, guys. So go check out Annette at facebook.com slash on her own life or on Instagram at onherownlife. life. And obviously, if you'd like to keep listening to the show, you can search for firearms industry news on iTunes, Alexa, YouTube, and of course, follow on Facebook. And if you want to go follow me on Instagram for awesome pictures of dogs, guns, and booze, my Instagram handle is at Radicaleb with an underscore at the end. Annette, thank you so much for coming on. It was great to talk to you. We should do this more often.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: I'm Caleb Giddings. Thanks for listening.